In our culture, everything is based on success. But what is success and who to find it? That's the big question. Is it measurable? Can you obtain it? Can you dream it? Can you hold it? I'm on a quest to redefine how we view success, and I'd like to bring you on this journey. Welcome to Be Fulfilled. Welcome to episode number eight of the Be Fulfilled Show. My name is Tony Grubmeyer, and I'm glad you're here today. We are talking to Dr. Carrie Rose. She's an educator and entrepreneur, a keynote speaker, thinkific expert, and notably one of Huffington Post's must-follow women, Entrepreneurs of 2017. She's got a brand new book out. We are ready to deep dive today into her journey up Success Mountain. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Carrie Rose. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely honored. We've had many conversations in the past and everybody said, if you had one guest you could have on your show, make sure you find a way to get Carrie on your show. So I'm honored you're here. Thank it's you. the real stories behind success. And from my friends in the uh, outside world have told me you've had an amazing story of what that success kind of pattern looks like a little bit. You've kind of gone on a journey yourself multiple times over. So I asked the question to help set up the show because what we're going to do today is we're going to go up Success Mountain. We'll come back down with some switchbacks. We'll pause a little bit along the way to kind of see what's going on on the horizon and allow you to share some glimpses into life lessons you've learned. And then at the end of the show, we'll stop. We'll do the fulfillment round. We'll ask you a bunch of random questions. I don't mean anything, but they are a way for you and I just to kind of let our guard down even more and just have some fun. So are you ready to do this? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. The first question, Carrie, what is the definition of success? Oh, gosh. You know, I'm so glad you asked this because we just finished our online course success summit. I guess it's been a couple of months ago now. And even in that title, we were like, okay, but what is success? And it looks so different for each person. You know, success can be defined for you by how much is in your bank account, by how many places you get to travel, by uh, what you do on the day to day. But for me, I think of, you know, how in my purpose am I and how happy am I with what I'm doing? And usually if there's that degree of alignment, then I feel successful, you know, to one degree or another. But yeah, I think that's more of like the the alignment with who you are and are you in the right place? Are you doing the right thing? Do you feel good about it? How does your life feel to you? And if the answer is good and I'm happy, then you're probably successful in one way or another. No, and I, I can totally relate to the purpose and, you know, knowing how you feel is kind of relatable to when you know you're on your life's purpose or you're living your purpose, right? Mm -hmm. What was life like for you as a child? (laughs) So actually my, my childhood is very much directly related to my purpose and how I found it, even though it, it had to hit me across the face with a few bricks before I realized it. But I witnessed a pretty traumatic event when I was about four years old and had something from that point on for about six years called selective mutism, which is basically like I could speak, but I didn't really speak. I'm also dyslexic. I'm also a lefty that they trained to be right-handed. So I entered fifth grade not knowing how to read. I started that year just this quiet shell of a human being. I had one teacher that took me from that to the highest standardized test score that school had seen in one year's time. And what it really did for me and led into what I do now, it it really opened me up to A, the impact that one person can make on another human being. Mm. 
And then, you know, I think uh, Tony Robbins calls them like two millimeter shifts, right? Like if you just change your direction just a little bit, sometimes you can get there. But sometimes it's really about the strategies you're using. For me, it later sparked an obsession with education strategies and learning strategies and what it takes to really turn one human brain on where so many others have failed. But it was just, it was a really beautiful experience. And even though there was struggle in it, like I wouldn't change it for the world. Like I think of all the ripple effect that my purpose has had as a result of having had that experience, even though it seems dark, it's just absolutely beautiful. What was the, one of the biggest things that you can remember? If you can take me back to that time when you just weren't speaking, you weren't going through this, that you were, (laughs) you were kind of feeling as a child where you just, you weren't being able to kind of share what you were really feeling. So it was kind of like in that select moment, right? Where you're like, were you shy completely? Were you kind of lovable and your, your parents wanted to hold you and play with you? Or what was life like for you? I get all the things that were going on, but what was life like for you yeah. inside? Inside of it, I think there was always a part of me that was joyful regardless. I even told my fiance this, that at one point when I was in middle school, so past the point when I, I started speaking again, there was a girl that was at my bus stop and she was like, really went off on me one day because she's like, why the hell do you smile all the time? <laughs> and I, like, I didn't realize that I was smiling all the time. I guess that was something I did naturally without, without recognizing it. But I'm sure that must've been there. You know, honestly, my dad and my mom were divorced. So I lived with my mom. She had a lot of medical conditions and really wasn't there. I watched television by myself and played Legos alone. Like it really wasn't anything to, <laughs> to write home about, I guess. No, but I don't, th- I don't but think yeah. it had. I don't think it has to be something to write home about, but I think yeah. it also helps to shape who we are as a human being by the things that we see going on. Like, you know, like when you see people do certain things around you, you either choose to do certain things like they do, or you say, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely impacted my parenting, I think <laughs> in a way. And it later, it had me question whether or not to divorce my husband. We were married for 11 and a half years and for 10 of them, I was unhappy, but I stayed there because I wanted the children to have <laughs> that kind of happy family environment. Later was able to figure out that that's possible without it, but it was definitely something that I didn't want to mirror from my own children's experience. Yeah. Take me through a little bit growing up. So you, you went off to high school. How were you as a student in high school? How'd you do? Uh, I was pretty bad. <laughs> All right. And you went off. How about college? What was it like so, for you in college? I went through three different universities. I went through the University of Florida. I have a BA in theater performance. I interned at the Juilliard School. I went to the University of Alabama. I have an MFA in stage management. I worked in opera, classical music. I worked in Shakespearean theater and then ended up getting my doctorate in educational leadership. So my GPA progressively improved. I think I barely graduated from UF with like a 1.9 or something. It was really, really horrible, but I was just such a good artist that I was able to get into Juilliard. Like I had stage managed a play that went on tour to Greece while I was in undergrad. So I'd done things that propelled me forward, even though my grades were not reflecting this. And I had to take classes that weren't in alignment with who I was or what I wanted to do. You know, just the basic work, you know, but then I think I graduated my, my master's was a three, eight. My doctoral program was a three, eight. I had one C on a paper in my doctoral program because I didn't, there was no actual valid reason for the assignment. So I kind of blew it off. <laughs> and you know, the, the professor thing you- told me so, so <laughs> And, and when you graduate, it's not like, all right, on the back of your diploma is your entire educational record of A, B, C's, no. and D's, right? Your GPA doesn't show up. Done. It's like, 
Here you go. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about where your path to kind of, you know, you have a an EDD, is that right? Is yes. that what it is? In educational leadership. Yep. Mm -hmm. So from the University of Central Florida, tell me what you've been able to do with your career. I mean, I know you were married and I love that piece. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I think that's an important piece for people. So keep listening. We're going to get into how you were in a marriage for 12 years and 11 of them, you weren't happy. And then finally, one day you said, you know what, I'm going to quit my marriage, my job. I'm going to actually change some things and how that's really kind of affected who you are as a human being by Lee. I think from probably... You were talking a little bit about your purpose too and finding mm-hmm. maybe your purpose even again in your voice. And even when, and I didn't talk until I was four years old. I said four words. My parents didn't know what to do with me, but my mom was a special education teacher. And so she said, oh, he's going to be fine. Just let him be. And now I can't <laughs> awesome. shut up. So like, it totally works itself out. Go mom. <laughs> <laughs> they know. So what was life like for you trying after all of these accolades? I mean, congratulations. It's It sounds you. like you have been just one of those people who just keeps achieving new heights throughout your life and in your career. You know, as you climb, you know, Julie Arts, as you see a show undergrad go off to Greece and tour, yeah, you got one C, you didn't participate. I get that. I mean, that's how I, that's how I showed up for most of my formal education. I just got lucky on days where I could guess. Um, right. <laughs> but you've been able to take this into so many different directions. You know, what mm-hmm. were some of the struggles you saw for yourself in your early 20s as you kind of were growing into kind of like what you do now? Sure. You know, I think for the, my early twenties, honestly, was such a period of time of, hmm, I I had a weird combination of crazy levels of boldness and increasingly low self-esteem. Like I didn't appreciate myself very much and was absolutely willing to do whatever I wanted to do at the same time time. So like I moved to Manhattan without knowing a soul there. I was just like, okay, let's just see what New York City has to offer. And then the next year I moved to Alabama without knowing anybody there. I was like, okay, well, let's see what Alabama has to offer, you know, but not really appreciating, not appreciating my journey, not appreciating my talents and not really appreciating myself. And so that really needed to blossom over time as far as the self-love department was concerned. And not to say that I wouldn't still do some pretty wild choices like that, although I have children now, so kind of confined to Florida, but I am sure that once they are full grown, that we will be bouncing all over the place. (laughs) How old are your kids? How old are your kids? My son is 14, my daughter is 10, and my soon-to-be stepdaughter is eight. We have a little family. That is is so cool. And and I think last guest I had on the show has four kids and you know, they're going to listen. Right. And so like, I always yeah. try to make sure that no matter what mom, dad, Hey, talk really good about your kids. Cause they will listen one day. <laughs> right. They may they're not all be brilliant. I, I come home from smart. work. I come home from work and my, my youngest or my oldest will say, how was work? I said, Oh good. I interviewed a couple of amazing people. Good. You know, <laughs> realness. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, they're really smart in business and they went off to do some really, that's cool. Um, dad, Hey, I'm going to be back. I'll be, uh, I'm going to go over to my buddy's house. All right. Bye. I'm like, thanks. You're never going to listen that I praised you on that episode. Okay. Now you're going to hear me talk bad about you. I love you. <laughs> what is a lesson that you learned from your childhood that you've been able to apply already to parenthood? Something sure. that you've noticed that's something that came up for you. Um, I think it's just something that's come up with me through my entire life since then is just like absolute resiliency. 
you know? And so no matter what's happening, whether my son has a heart palpitation or my daughter broke her wrist or things like that, it's just instantly like knowing, going right into the space of knowing what to do and being fine. You know, like as soon as my daughter broke her wrist, I, she fell, I ran out of the room, I grabbed her by her root chakra and I started her breathing. And from that moment on, she stopped crying. She actually was smiling down the hallway when she was on her way to get surgery, like giving me the thumbs up. (laughs) This is going to be all right. (laughs) You know, and I think that that's something that um, I hope that they get from me. I hope that that continues without them having to go through, you know, you want to protect your children from the pain that causes that level of of resiliency, but hope that they have that. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, definitely. You know, when you were coming on as a guest, I asked some silly questions because it allows me to understand a little bit since you're really good in the the human mind and the brain and you you follow (laughs) patterns and triggers. I ask a silly question, right? So pick a theme that best represents your journey as an entrepreneur. And you chose one titled The Notebook. (laughs) so tell me a little bit about uh that story in your eyes and how it kind of relates to your journey sure um well first of all i love being an entrepreneur so let's just start with that like um i was just recently offered a job somebody flew down from canada in the education space came down to meet with us for a day and wanted to hire me to go do what i do now but to do it for them And there was like not a question in my mind that as soon as I heard the offer that this was not happening, (laughs) you know, it's just something I, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to always do what it is that I'm doing. But aside from that, I do, the business that I have is with my fiance and it is a labor of love and it is a labor of love and it has both of those dynamics together. And it's just so, I don't know, it's not seamless. I can't say it's... (laughs) One does affect the other. It's just interesting and joyous and brilliant. And everything that we do together, I think that adds to each other and adds to the work that we're doing. It's just, yeah, it's absolutely my fascination. So having another opportunity or anything like that is just not on my uh, list of things to do. (laughs) No, and I love it. And so I've seen The Notebook. It's probably one of the movies that I've seen, and I'm not exaggerating, and I'm not probably over 500 times. I've probably mm-hmm. seen the movie. It's relatable for me due to the fact that I lost my father uh, through Alzheimer's. My wife and I, we had kind of our fights and battles during the middle of life. And, and then we ultimately just chose each other. That's why I, I wanted to ask you about the notebook and your journey and how you're doing this with your fiance and soon to be married and mm-hmm. taking your family and putting it all together and, and how you don't want to go work for somebody else, how there's that passion of Ryan Gosling's character in that movie of working and building that in the attic and just having his hands all over this, this thing that he loves, which is this house and that he built it because he knows that that's in his soul's purpose that, you know, Hey, he says, Mm -hmm. maybe she'll come back. So why do you build courses and help people in that teachable space? Why do you help people with courses? Like, what does that equate to you in your life? How does that help you? Sure. For me, it's the ripple effect. You know, like it's never about, for me, it's not about the course client as much. For my partner, it is. Um, His fascination is more with the experience of freedom. When he was a child, he actually played hide and go seek, put himself in a refrigerator in the basement and it flipped over on the door handle. Mm. So he was stuck in there for 30 minutes. So for him, freedom is everything. For me, knowing that there's a difference between 
average techniques and not saying that they're bad techniques, but average techniques that everyone uses that we perpetuate over and over and over again and what actually works. There's an extreme difference between the two. I mean, we're not talking about marginal. We're talking about statistically relevant difference between what's average and what's beyond that and what's great, you know? And I see... I don't see anything as circumstance, right? I see things as like divine timing. Like, why do we at this moment in time have the internet? Why do I exist in this moment in time, right? Why are online courses a thing right now? What kind of power could that bring if everyone actually took the course, was impacted by it, had the benefit from it that they were expecting to have, whether that is a better business that they built as a result of it, whether that's a stronger family unit that they have as a result from it. Maybe they're in better health. Maybe they have a better relationship with their spouse, whatever it is, those outcomes that they're wanting, those pain points that they're in when they sit down to start this course, it's like that. We've got a world of a lot of people in a lot of pain. And what we've got is a world of a lot of potentiality, by having these online courses and by having this access to information. And it's not a small industry. It's a $255 billion industry. So a lot of people are wanting that impact and then kind of being left without it. We've got a 3% completion rate on average inside of that industry. So 97% attrition rate. I've had clients get up to 96%. I just heard the other day from somebody. So it's like, what is average and what is possible are two different things. And if we even met the middle of that, like if people were getting like 50% completion rates on average, how many people would be benefited from having had those experiences? So for me, it's about the customers on the other side of the course and them being lifted up as a result of it. What do you think are some questions that would help people make better choices when they're going to work with somebody around, you know, running and, you know, wanting to put a course on and and hiring somebody to help them, right? I think so many times, Mm -hmm. Like for me, example, that's how you and I got connected originally. I was like, oh, I'm going to build a course. You're like, great. And I didn't know what questions to ask. And you're like, well, let me look. And then then you come back and you're like, all right, Tony. So here's here's some stuff. I'm just going to tell you. I'm not here to like rip your course apart. It's really good. But and then so what are some questions that people don't ask and they should be asking you generally to have you really benefit by helping them the right way versus just, yeah, I'll help you work on your course instead of it's intentional with the purpose of getting you to the opposite. Instead of the 3%, we're getting you closer to the other side, which is the 97%. If we can get you closer to that, you're going to be a success. Sure. I mean, I think even just having an understanding of that and asking them how they feel about that, I think that would be the starter, right? There's two different types of course creators. There are some course creators that are really wanting that impact. And there are some course creators that are more selling you on the dream. We've kind of got that model going too, right? It's simultaneous of a coaching course industry. Here, come with me and I'll show you how to make more money. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as the impact is there as well. So you've really got to be kind of a conscientious consumer on that when you're deciding to work with somebody what camp are they in, you know, and how can you tell and ask them how they feel about somebody who doesn't get what they're supposed to get out of this course. Like ask them why your course matters to them, you know, because it may not, it may just be a job to them. At which point that's probably not what you want working either. You may want to ask them what their background is in instructional design or, or where they're getting the information from, right? If it's just like, oh, you know, well, I can do a course because I was a student, you know, so many years or whatever, like, so is everybody, right? So, but we're kind of doing some really bad patterns. And by bad patterns, I mean, like, we've got a lot of, you know, uh, 
five module courses with five lessons each with 40 minute long videos and some multiple choice questions. And they're really, really, really horrible. Um, <laughs> when it comes to student learning, which is cut awful, um, <laughs> that all those patterns are bad. <laughs> you know, if you give somebody a multiple choice, assessment, I mean, ask them how they feel about multiple choice assessments. That alone will give you some answers right there. Because for me, if they're not norm referenced, which means like if there is enough statistical validity behind the reason you're giving the question, then it's probably not even the right question, right? So asking like multiple choice questions for any other reason other than to just like get them to move on to the next point, as opposed to like, I'm trying to assess your learning. It's a fool's errand. No, and I think it's spot on. And I mean, I, that's what I love. Like when I got the opportunity to know that you're coming on the show, I was just ecstatic due to the simple fact that I know that you think differently. You're not looking at the same <laughs> equation and trying to give the yes or no answer. You're giving the answer that is deserving to be there based on years of study and facts. And you're like, here's the reference. How many courses have you worked on? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tony. <laughs> um, can I write you back on this one? <laughs> All right. So in post-production, we're going to fill in the blank and you're going to hear me go 500, 1,000. Yeah. <laughs> All a of lot. the courses. A lot. Yeah. And, and the thing is like now I've started so many conversations that even that, even if I haven't worked on the course, I've inspired some degree of it because it's so funny. I started interviewing people, not this past August, the August before for the book that I have coming up because I was like, okay, what's up with this low percentage of course completion? Like what is going on here? And I view courses as a blend of marketing and education. If I thought it was all education, I would feel like I could answer the question, right? But it's not, there's so many pieces here, right? So I started interviewing people to figure out what was going on. And it's interesting because they all think it's like, not all think it's one thing, but most people have like the one surefire answer instead of like approaching it as there's a bunch of mitigating factors here. There's a lot of confounding variables and we have a lot of things going on inside of our ecosphere that can lead to poor completion rates and really more and less poor customer satisfaction and less, not necessarily even consumption, but less application. So there's a difference between whether or not they completed it and got the value. And that's a varying degree I go into in the book, but the main thing is I started the conversation, right? And so I'm on an interview a couple of days ago with Joel Irway for his podcast. And he said something about, oh, course completion. He's like, yeah, that's a really hot topic. And I'm like, man, you don't even know how much I lit the fire underneath that topic. <laughs> so I think for me, it's like, we're here to be a part of the collective good at this moment. So like, how much can we impact even regardless of whether or not we're directly involved with each project? You know, I think so many times, you know, people say, I've got a book in me, I've got a podcast in me, I've got a mm -hmm. course in me, and then they just do it, right? They don't know mm -hmm. how to write a book. They've read maybe three or four, and they're like, I'm going to go be a world-class author, and, you know, <laughs> then I'm going to go launch a podcast, I don't have the right equipment, and I'm going to go put a course together, and I've never done a course before. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this episode, please reference Dr. Carrie Rose. If you're looking for a course creator and somebody to help you go down the right path, She's the right choice. We're going to do this. We're going to take a quick break on the Be Fulfilled show. But before we go to break, I want to ask you one question. What is the most challenging life or business experience that you've ever had to overcome and why? Oh, gosh. I would believe that quitting my job and getting divorced at the same time was probably the most challenging experience because it got rid of all levels of security and just threw me into the unknown without, um, without a safety net. So that was fun. <laughs> All right. We will be right back on the Be Fulfilled Show, the real stories behind success with today's guest, Dr. Carrie Rose. Are you suffering from marketing dysfunction? Are you not able to perform online as well as you could when you were younger? 
Unable to keep up with the intimate demands of buying product, running offers, and shipping items to your customers? Say hello to ShipOffers, clinically proven to enhance the growth and longevity of your business. Get some today at ShipOffers.com. And we are back on the Be Fulfilled Show, the real stories behind success. Today's guest, Dr. Carrie Rose, joins us from Orlando, Florida. Great to have you here. You know, a couple things that I got to tell you, you're on point with purpose, I think when you lead with your heart, you know what you want and you go after it. You're resilient and you don't give up. You're dedicated to just kind of following your true self and not what everybody else wants of you, but you really know deep down inside what you were created to do. You know, had some learning difficulties growing up where you were kind of uncertain about certain things. However, people helped pull you and pulled you from that kind of quietness into now where you have a true voice dancer, all the things that you got to do in Juilliard and everything that you were able to do as a human being. And now you have this passion to just help people tell or to share their course with the world. And that's how we got uh, ultimately connected. The cops are not coming, um, but I hear them. (laughs) So if you're listening to this right now and you're driving in a car, that was uh, a recording of a police officer pulling over somebody else. Um, But this is the deal. This is life. And that's why these things happen. But every time I've ever had a chance to talk to you, Carrie, I've always felt, I felt your purpose. I felt like a connection. I felt like there wasn't this, I'm trying to sell you. I love that part of sharing and really showing people there is a better way. And you were talking about being on a podcast recently with Joel Irway. I'm in a mastermind with Joel. I love him. He's doing amazing stuff right now. I know that you have a new course that recently launched that it's a book. There's so much stuff to go with it. So I want to kind of talk about just being on the top of your game at the top of success mountain and everything that there is going on in your world. Then all of a sudden you quit your job and you basically file for divorce. (laughs) Yeah. What what does that look like as you walk down through kind of looking back a little bit on that journey for you a little bit? Yeah, that took a lot of I don't know, just a, an overwhelming understanding that what I was doing wasn't working, where I was wasn't working. And that was that was a process. It wasn't like an overnight decision. All those two things did happen at the same time. But I mean, when I look back on it, I was in divorce, uh, no, I was in divorce counseling. <laughs> I was in marriage counseling for two years prior to, you know, and I was wrapping up my doctorate or I had wrapped up my doctorate prior to. So it wasn't like I wasn't in a position where I knew some change was going to happen. It just so what happened to uh, take place at the same time. I went to a Tony Robbins event. I came back and like two months later, bonk, <laughs> that was it. You know, it's just like, okay, well, if this doesn't work anymore, if this is bullshit, I don't want that in my life, then I need to stop it. You know, and I think it really tested my faith and really tested my belief in what I thought was possible for myself. You know, how much um, more are you on point today with your relationships based on going through all of that process? None of my relationships look the same. <laughs> none of them do. Well, for starters, I'm not friends with anybody that I used to be friends with and not because they aren't nice, good people, but just because my mindset doesn't fit the same, you know, water seeks its own level. And so my friendships are with people that have the same mindset I do or are focused on the same things that I am I'm not really focused on what other people are doing so much or, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, like those conversations don't enter my reality. You know, I no longer drive a minivan, like things like, (laughs) 
things like that are different. It took some time for my family to adjust because, you know, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. (laughs) Your family comes with you on these journeys. And it, it did take some time for my children to adjust to the situation. And it took some time for my parents, especially my dad and my stepmom are very, very super conservative, super like you do this, you do this, you do this, you retire, (laughs) you know, this is your trajectory. This is what it looks like for everybody. So they had a hard time understanding that process and they had a hard time understanding that this was in my path for happiness, as opposed to they, they thought that I would never be happy, which is like an entirely different thing. So that was interesting. But, you know, my new relationships and my new friendships that I have as a result, I am thankful for every day. The love that I have with my fiance, I didn't know what love is before this relationship. This is something that is, it is completely out of the notebook. No, it is just like out of those stories that people hear about and they're like, oh, wow, that is a beautiful love story. How can I ever have something like that? And then they think that's for the movies, you know? And I'm like, wow, I live that. That's cool. Um, (laughs) Why didn't you write me? Why didn't you write me? I wrote you every day for a year. (laughs) But don't you think that now that you found it, like now, like I can't even imagine you past because I only see you as this bright, shiny light now. (laughs) And I'm so grateful. Thank you. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that our paths cross. And I'm so, so thankful that I and why the guy doesn't just call himself Ian. I've never figured it out. <laughs> right. Why I and garlic got us connected. Um, mm-hmm. You have just such a care about yourself. And I know that you're an amazing mother. I'm excited for you on your path, soon to be husband, just the journey that you're on. And I know that how you show up in this world is a bright light and that you really mm-hmm. do care at the end of the day, you really care about people. And I think that's something to be said about willing to say, not only did you quit a job, a marriage, you left, you said, mm-hmm. hey, you know, my friends don't equal the mindset that I was after. You kept your family because you kind of, it's hard to get rid of them. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> but a lot of things changed about you. A lot of things changed yeah. and you became more like we're talking about purpose. And I think purpose is a big thing on people when they're trying to find what does success mean to them? And I think it's really about finding yourself mm-hmm. and be fulfilled. That's the reason why I wanted to call my show Be Fulfilled is because I think at the end of the day, we all want fulfillment. We mm-hmm. all want just a happiness. And when you light up, and if people are watching the video right now, we're actually can see each other face to face. She's just bright. She's just <laughs> happy and smiling. And the entire time, it's like she's oozing what she's saying to you guys. She's oozing and sharing about love <laughs> into the world. And no, I just want to commend you for that because I think so many people in our world today, in our society, are fake. And I think yeah. that they show the world one thing and they're completely different offline. Everything that I've had, every interaction, every conversation, every time trying to just engage in any kind of conversation, or maybe you're coming to Colorado or I'm going to Orlando, you're like, let's meet up. How can we do that? Those are the types of things that you want out of people. And so I just mm-hmm. want to say thank you. You know, your commitment to being on the show is huge. And I don't want to take away from any of your greatness, but I'm going to ask you some questions now as we dive into the switchback, the fulfillment round. Okay. We get to learn a little bit more about you. We'll come back and we'll give a URL for your course. We'll talk about your book. We'll talk about any important facts that you think the world needs to know before we let you go. So are you ready for the fulfillment round? Let's go. All right. (laughs) The dumbest thing you've ever done and you don't regret doing it. (laughs) 
<laughs> the first thing that came to mind, I don't know if I don't regret it, but it was just like, I really don't think about it when you say the dumbest thing I've ever done. I think I ran directly into a sliding glass door when I was 14. I just went and then fell at a party. I was not drinking alcohol, but it was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I love it. I, I just, I can imagine a bird. <laughs> yes. In front of all of my friends. <laughs> All right. A favorite story about one of your kids that you're willing to share? Oh, gosh. A favorite story about one of my kids. You know, I have, you know, how Facebook memory shows, you know, what happened over the years and everything. I am addicted to that because I love to go back and see where they were at different times at the same year. And you can see like different patterns and stuff. But my favorite Facebook memory that pops up is, um, and I actually go back to watch it every Christmas, regardless before this existed, is my son in front of the tree singing, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. And I've experienced it differently every time, but I do watch it on loop. And like my fiance kind of makes fun of me. It's like, he's not five anymore. He's 14. But um, when I watch it, when I was first experiencing this, he was getting ready for the show that he was doing as a kindergartner with his class. And at the end, he forgot his lines but then he's such a prankster. Like he had acting classes by the time he was three. And that year he was third place in the talent show. So he's got a little, like, he's got some humor to him and some talent there. But like he forgets his line and then he starts picking up these ornaments in the back and playing with them. And I remember when I was filming it, when I got to that point, I was annoyed. And what I noticed the other day is when I was watching it again, I was just like, I freaking love that kid and his darn sense of humor, you know? And I think it was just like that change is very representative of the change in me from before my transformation into now and how I would get like agitated with things. And now I'm just like, wow, that was a really beautiful experience. <laughs> but I just, you know, I've always loved his his sense of humor and his comedic timing. And I know that's just, that's one example of it, but it's just like, it's, it's always been him. He's just got like the quickest wit, you know, I forgot what my daughter said she wanted one day. And he was just like, well, I want a pizza and a girlfriend named Yolita, but we can't always get what we want. And he was like seven, like, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just the kids got comebacks. <laughs> That is adorable. I love it. Yeah. So as you're listening, we're not making fun of you. We're just admiring your sense of humor. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're so embarrassed. All right. <laughs> so everything in the world is drying up and our resources oh. are very low. Food banks are just don't have the food anymore. But because you are successful as an entrepreneur, and I know you have special resources laying around, you get to pick five foods for the rest of your life that you can consume. Only five foods, not five restaurants, five foods. What would they be? Okay. Well, coconut oil and quinoa, because you could live off of those two combined for pretty much ever and have the right balance of fats and nutrients. <laughs> if you just mix them together. <laughs> I might have gone too far into like Walking Dead survivalist now, but no, you're fine. I love it. <laughs> um, now it's like already made stuff. Nope, you can no? say bacon. Like, yeah, okay. I've had amazing guests come up with some really genius ideas. Okay, because I would have pierogies too, just because I'm Polish and sure, the heritage thing is gotta. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, potatoes. <laughs> Again, the Polish thing and like sticks of butter. Have I covered everything? <laughs> Quinoa, coconut oil, potatoes, butter, pierogies. Yep. All right. I like it. All right. Let's talk about your genealogy real quick. You're Polish. On have one side. Ever, are you? Yeah. Ancestry.com or 23andMe. Have you taken one of those? 
Uh, no, my father has done all of our charts on my dad's side of the family. And if you went back on my mom's side of the family, that all got burned in World War II. So my dad actually just told me the other day, you can trace this back to the boat that came over after the Mayflower. Um, I don't know if you've heard of like Case Western Reserve University. I'm from the Case line there out of Ohio. They established Caseville, Michigan. And Halle Berry is actually a distant cousin of mine on that route. <laughs> so I know what my childhood looked like if my fiance and I haven't had a girl. <laughs> I love this. I love <laughs> it. Interracial. Yeah. And then on my mom's side, they came out of a concentration camp over in Poland. So my grandmother had 12 kids, 10 made it out. My mom was the only one born in the States out of the whole of it. And so it's a really interesting mix. I've got like one side of like, and then the other side is like founding family. (laughs) Do you like to have wine? Do you ever drink wine? Friends with your friends and family? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Are you a red or a wine drinker? Um, A red or a wine drinker? (laughs) (laughs) No, Um, I like bowls, but I'm very particular. I like Malbec and I like Moscato. Those are it. And I'll do a Pinot Grigio if it's all that they have. (laughs) Favorite, favorite piece of advice you've ever received and didn't take and wish you would have. Ooh, and didn't take. Okay. Don't sweat the small stuff. It was, um, my scene shop foreman when I was back when I was doing theater and I was stage managing, it was always don't sweat the small stuff. And I didn't understand it because I was like 20 at the time going, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, it took me many more years before I was like, uh, oh, <laughs> still working on it. <laughs> you know, it's interesting talking to you today. I keep coming back to, you know, your purpose and just how you carry yourself. I mean, I, I want to tell as the audience is going to know this too, but you've been a keynote speaker. You're a thinkific expert. You're notable on Huffington Post. You're one of the most important women I, I say to follow in 2017 as an entrepreneur too. So you just, you're filled with talent. There's nothing from the beginning to now that I don't feel like you couldn't achieve or do if you really, really wanted to. It sounds like you're surrounded with the right people. It sounds like you've got all the things going on in your life. What's something that you've looked back on in your childhood that constantly inspires you to do better every single day that you can reflect upon? Something that just is there. Maybe it's a teacher. Maybe it's a time in your life. It's something. Sure. Sure. You know, I think my stepfather was a heavy influence there. I met him when I was three, but he became a part of our family when I was 11. And just his level of patience, the degree of respect that he required of me, but of other people and of himself and what he expected there. And then the lengths that he would go for another human being and the way he lifted up a room, you know, like there was a, there's one story from, it was actually from my wedding day. He went into a waffle house in Alabama and it was like right before the iron bowl. And, um, the iron bowl is a big, big deal in Alabama. It's Auburn versus Alabama football game. And they don't have professional teams. They literally, you like come out of your mom's womb, either one or the other. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's it, you know? And so everybody in the waffle house is wearing these shirts. So one or the other, and my stepdad walks into the room and he's like, okay, where's the guy from Michigan said, you know, and it was just, he was just always so put himself out there and just be with people. And yeah, I don't know if that's like one thing from my childhood, but really definitely a person that made a huge impact on me in a very positive way. No, and you can see that. You can hear that today in our conversation. I think that's a very, that's a, an impressionable thing that you've left us with today is how that you even do that in your life. And I've seen you, you know, in our social interactions, you're just like that. You're just somebody who's always outgoing and you're loving. And that's a great thing. Favorite book you read recently? Oh gosh, I just finished You Are a Badass. 
Um, literally like, yesterday, you're a badass. Yeah, by Jen, Pia, Pia. Who wrote that? Jen Sincero. Oh, okay. And I'm reading Gabrielle Bernstein's "The Universe Has Your Back" currently, or listening to it. L- listening. I don't know. <laughs> do you prefer to read, or do you like to listen on Audible? It depends on the book. So, like, there was a Dr. Joe Dispenza book that I had to stop because the level of meditations and notes and stuff I had to like. I need to actually go buy a hard copy for, but like if it's just something where I can just hear it, then, you know, and there's not like actual work that I need to be doing, then I'm okay. (laughs) Are you a visual person? Do you do better like when you see things or do you do better when you pick up a pen and just kind of like you were saying, just write it all out? I'm kinesthetic. Yeah. 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 I'm like in the 15% of the weirdest population of I have to do something. So I don't necessarily take things in until I can reflect and apply Writing things down does help sometimes. Sometimes drawing things out helps for me, but really it's more about that. How am I going to go ahead and actually apply this into my life? Where do I see this not happening for me? Where is it happening for me? Those kinds of things. All right. Last question, then we'll get to how people can get connected with you. Three items on your bucket list. Tell me why (laughs) and what are they? I don't actually have a bucket list. So, I mean, I can make something Okay, cross this question out. We'll reframe it. (laughs) Three things that you're going to work on in the next year to go do. Oh, to go do in the next year. Um, you know, I, I want to travel more. So I don't know what that looks like because I feel like I'm traveling all of the time. But I think I want to travel more for me as opposed to for events or for intensives. Mm. So yeah, like, I mean, I already have January, February, March and already started to booked off, but they're all events in the circuit and that sort of thing. Not really just for joy. So we went to Puerto Rico before the hurricane went through. So that was, that was good. But I think more of those kinds of experiences. I love what you said. You said, you know, more kind of for you, you're always going for clients and people, but like really spend time for you. And what brings your soul most alive? Being with your kids, being with your fiance or both. I'll give you the question of the halfway point. <laughs> or sometimes you just you getting just to go for a walk by yourself. What connects you and kind of brings you alive where you just, I know there's no right or wrong. I just, it's ways of figuring out how you work. Where do you yeah. feel most alive? You know, honestly, I feel this is going to be a weird answer for me. Like it wouldn't sound like it fits, but I feel most alive when I'm in the kitchen. <laughs> I honestly, like if I'm making something that I'm going to be giving to my family. And that's that could be just for my fiance. That could be just for my kids because not everybody eats the same thing. That can be for all of them. It's like this feeling of just love. And I'm not acts of service. I'm actually words of affirmation for um, love languages. But I don't know why. It's this feeling of I'm giving love that I. it's a really strong connection to me. And it just pours out that way. So yeah, I mean, I like snuggling my fiance and I like playing cards and playing there. We play spades with the kids and we play Monopoly and things like that. But, and I, of course we have a, multiple Xboxes throughout the house, but yeah, when I'm in the kitchen and taking care of them, it's just such a wonderful feeling. No, I, I just say, I think that we heard that from the quinoa and the coconut oil. <laughs> you can figure it out. You were, like, driving, oh, me, you were driving me to that direction. <laughs> All right. So we're wrapping up the show and you've been an amazing guest. I want to give people a chance to get connected with you. I know that there is a lot of properties and a lot of ways people can find you. You're a keynote speaker, you travel the world, you hit the circuits, you're doing all the cool things, but people just want to reach out and find you. What's the best way to do that? The best way is just Dr. Gary Rose on Facebook and hit me up and message me. I'm about to hit 5,000 on my actual friends list and I'm not the 
best at responding bigger. But if you find me at my page and just say, hey, I'll actually respond. My bot will probably respond first and then I'll respond. But <laughs> if you say, I found you through Tony, I'll be like, oh, what's up? That's different. No, I love that. <laughs> and, and I love the fact that you admitted you like my bot. I just call it my answering machine. Yeah, like that's all I really it is for me. It's just my answer machine. It's like it's trying to help you get to the result that you're looking for as fast as possible. And if you need me, it's like, let me know and I'll get in touch with you. That's kind of how I'm looking at bots. Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're about to launch a course on coursebots.com. And we're building all of our courses now with a bot sequence running through it for engagement. And then also looking at the potentiality of spreading that out into more choose your adventure course, own adventure courses through bots as well. So I'm using it as an educational component. But for right now, like, yeah, if they they message me there, that's the right place to go. But yeah, you'll get an answering machine. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not amazed and just like, I cannot wait to follow this girl, make sure that you listen to this episode, share it with a friend, follow what Dr. Carrie Rose is doing, go to her page, like it. She is up to some amazing stuff. Her book, her tour, keynote speaking, the articles she's writing, the things that she's doing and affecting change in the world. It's been an absolute honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. I hope as we get to the end, you can tell me the definition of success one more time. (laughs) Is it the same as it was the beginning, ladies and gentlemen? I think for me, being in alignment and being happy, honestly, like, are you doing what you feel fulfilled by doing? And do you feel happy about your days? Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Dr. Carrie Rose. My name is Tony Grebmeyer. This has been another episode of Be Fulfilled, the real stories behind success. And until next time, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, make today the best day of your life. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the architect of your journey in this game we call life? Take the next step now at trainersanddrivers.com and download my free mini course designed to give you more clarity and freedom in your day. It might just change your life forever.